Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. As most of you know, I've been talking about the digital transformation of our society, our businesses, our security, our safety. And it's a fairly disruptive notion. And part of the problem is, is the way our economy was built didn't count on the muscle memory of how we've behaved in the past. And this has affected um, the acceleration of digital transformation. And sometimes it takes an emergency uh, like the pandemic uh, to blow up our notions of how we're organized and how we justify technology decisions and how we actually build business models around the new digital transformation uh, mode of operation. Um, and I've been tracking different innovators in this space, and I came across somebody who essentially claims to be working on the digital transformation of physical security, logistics, and security operations. Now, now his company is called Building Intelligence, and if you really start talking to him, you realize that he has a very interesting way of thinking about business. And that interesting way is provocative and compelling because it actually might be a signpost for many of us and how to experience that. And even more importantly, how to transact with it in the new digital economy. I'd like to introduce to you the chief executive officer of Building Intelligence, Jeffrey Friedman. Jeff, great having you on. Ron, it's, a, it's always a privilege. And uh, again, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to discussing digital transformation. I absolutely. Now, let, let's start with one thing, okay? Because when you first started this company, you were very, you know, great, great CEOs lead their companies to a razor sharp definition of who their customer is, who their persona is. Uh, but you had a grander vision when you started out. You may have started in something called visitor management, and it opened up a door to something much bigger that you had a vision in. Let's talk about that. What, what was the big vision, and how did you open up that door? Well, first, you know, um, when my team and I actually came up with the name Building Intelligence, it, it, it literally scared me because I thought for myself, to myself, this is a very big, grandiose idea to actually be in the business of making processes smarter. Um, and what I mean by that is that the users who use the products or services actually um, get value out of it well beyond just the physical um, reality of security, but ultimately to create a better business for themselves, maybe even a better day for themselves. And ultimately I realized I was one of the people along with my entire team to be sort of in the business of digital transformation. And it was simple to see in visitor management. There were clipboards on desks with paper and pens that were basically how you got into buildings. You would sign your name, you could sign, I used to joke around, I could sign Donald Duck and they would let me into the building. Nobody asked me, right? Um, and, and you just signed in. And I just always thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is nothing, right? This is really not valuable at all. It's not a real recording. Nobody knows who you are. My signature is terrible. My, I, I got into computers because my handwriting is terrible. Um, I was the guy in law school with a computer and the teacher said, what 
are you doing? And I said, I can't read my own notes. So I have to type. So, so ultimately I, I've been in digital transformation for a long time. Um, but you know, I, 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 I laugh about it because if you remember uh, the old radios, they would have a dial and you would spin the dial or a rotary phone, even a rotary phone. That was, that was significant digital transformation when we went to digital phones and digital radios. And that was a huge leap. So we're, 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 we're not going as fast as we used to go, but we are trying to continue that digital transformation where things just seem a lot better. It was uh, wonderful, though. It was a great story. You walk in, you see Donald, you can write in Donald Duck, you can get in the building, you're looking at the desk, the paper, and so forth. Now, how I translate that is there is a workflow in place. That is, there was a person at the desk performing a role in a process that had certain KPIs to it, if, if possible, using technology, the pen and paper, <laughs> and you're looking at that and going, there's a better way to do this that will not only accomplish the task as better, but open up new doors of value, new doors of optimizing the business. So that led up to that term building intelligence. Did you actually see the building coming from that one act? You know, I explained to somebody who is a very good marketing person in New York City who names perfumes and other things, the story of what I was doing. And he, in a moment of like epiphany said, you, you, you're building intelligence. And I was like, no, you gotta come up with a better name than that because it's a little too grandiose. I agree, it's a little bit too much, but um, it's also sort of um, in a lot of ways guided me in the decisions I've made and also um, sort of inspired myself to take on much bigger tasks than I had ever imagined in the beginning. So in a way it's not, the name leads me to the down a path in a strange way. I love that. By taking on that audacious name, it almost forces you to live up to it. It was, it was, I remember being very upset about the name itself in the very beginning because I just thought that was a lot. Uh, I, you know, I think of myself as relatively smart, but I don't think of myself as that smart. And then I thought that was a really big bold thing to be able to do. I got worried about getting the trademark, all the things that go with it. But uh, we got the domain name, we got the trademark. And next thing you know, there I was building intelligence. Now, what are you going to do? You better start really thinking about this and transforming some things and doing something pretty incredible. So, uh, you know, a lot of, it's a weird, it's backwards, I think, sometimes when you think about how you, how you are motivated to do something. But, um, you know, I, I'll give you the most simple thing that's an amazing value proposition. On the piece of paper, you write the name Donald Duck. The person upstairs has no idea that you're there. I mean, it's just, it's just so disconnected. By the time you show up on the floor, you're, you're a surprise. That surprise could be a bad surprise because you could be in some meeting. You could be in the, the person could be in the bathroom. You don't know where that person is. But when you show up and the system is going to visitor management, and that person gets a text, hey, your guest is here. It's not about security. Yeah, there's a security component, but it's just like, oh, now he's on his way up. I can, I can, I can clean up my desk. I can get out of the bathroom. I could close down this meeting. Let me get ready and meet him in the lobby. What a nice thing. So that little piece of digital transformation, if you want to call it that, uh, is a tremendous value proposition to every single person that's in a building and why visitor management 
isn't necessarily only about security. It's about courtesy. It's mm -hmm. about, you know, being smart about running your own business. Um, and that also works for the bad guy. Like, I don't want this terminated employee coming up to the building. He can't just sign Donald Duck and come up. That, that doesn't seem right. So, so there's another side to it, which is how it becomes a security product is you check an ID, you, you have them signed into a kiosk and you, and you transform the entire process into something that is a combination of security and um, uh, what's the other word for it? Um, just a good guest experience. Yeah, well, um, the companies, every company in talking to some enlightened CEOs, any company who is not focused on the customer experience is going to have difficulties. They're gonna have difficulties in product design and service design. They're gonna have difficulty if it's not focused on the customer experience. So you just said something that very enlightening for people who are in the risk resilience and security industry. Um, workflows describe a process inside a company that drives the customer experience internally and externally. Now, what your challenge is, is to have the customer uh, deal with one thing, visitor management, and then see it applied to many other things. And you started to move from visitor management into other areas of the company based on those learnings that led to data-driven decisions, right? You, you were able to collect data from that visitor management experience. It drove process optimization and security and safety, which all business leaders get. So how did that start moving into other areas of the company? So when, I was when we were developing the product that now does a lot of logistics um, for like loading docs and things like that. So we went beyond visitor management and added um, a solution that includes managing the vendors, not just to go through visitor management, but the process of which vehicles I'm gonna let into the, into the building. I mean, the whole premise of security is you shouldn't let an unknown vehicle to the, into the bottom of the building post 9-11 post-1993 bombing of World Trade Center. That just doesn't make any sense. So any security director must or should have a protocol for, for um, you know, keeping unknown vehicles. They should vet vehicles. That, that's sort of the premise and I'm sort of like on this mission. That's, a, that's, a, that's really the mission I am on in terms of security. But what ended up happening was we came up with this notion that um, investments in security should facilitate operations. And that there is a valued ROI in the investment in security if you can leverage that investment to modify or enhance the operation. So, and as I was, I was sort of explaining the visitor concept is the visitor, you know, comes in and you get the email, but what if you were, you know, at a concert or a venue and the star or the VIP showed up and the license plate reader acknowledge that the vehicle that the VIP was in is actually here and you need to go down and make sure his entourage is well taken care of, you're now using the thing that stops the bad guy into the thing that uh, in, uh, creates a great experience for the good guy, the VIP or whoever it might be, or maybe a vendor that you have an emergency and you're like, where's my tech guy? And you actually have the record of the fleet of vehicles that the tech team uses 
and the LPR tells you the guy's here. And then you could tell your boss or whoever it is, the guy's here, he's gonna fix your computer. It's all gonna, it's all, it's all coming together, right? And so when you look at what the what's inside security, or what's what some people think are inside the physical security components that the integrators are installing, there's tremendous value if positioned correctly to other business units. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's how I would say. And that, and that simple concept of investments in security facilitate operations has been, uh, you know, in a way kind of the, another part of the mission. So you have mission one, stop the bad guys. Mission two, every investment in security should facilitate operations. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's soft, but sometimes it could be billing. Sometimes it could be really opportunistic uh, uh, ways to generate new revenue. Right. Um, and uh, we've been very fortunate that we found ourselves being adopted by innovators in real estate that are interested in what we have to say about it. And so I think, I think um, you know, when you talk about digital transformation, it's those that are willing to do it that you have the most success with. It, uh, I'm not interested in pounding my head against somebody who is just not interested in being the first or you know one of the early adopters. Um, th- there's a lot of people, especially this industry that we're in, happens to be an industry of the state of common practice. That people are more interested in adopting the state of common practice. So it's um, so it's sort of up to us to make this the state of common practice which is you know, the third leg of that mission, which is you, you, you innovate, but at the same point, innovating for, the, for pure innovation doesn't make any sense. You wanna transform an industry so that, you know, I don't think any of us have radios in our cars with dials. I don't think so. I mean, but, I mean unless you have an old classic wow. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, good for you, you know, but, but well, most of us, I think, you know, expect, uh, uh, you know, at this point that um, at least we have um, CarPlay. I mean, you know, how can we not have, you know, uh, Bluetooth in our phone, in our cars, right? What's so funny, you know, um, I think you know this, but uh, every once in a while I play an adjunct professor role in an in MBA school teaching innovation and change. And, and essentially I'm a reporter on those people who have, realized that if they build a innovative company at some point, they start just milking the cow and they forget that they got there through their innovation practice. So the question becomes, how do I create an innovation practice inside the company that can sustain you know, that over time and still milk the cow with common best practices that are baked in or what I call a scorecard? And so help me understand in your market, who are the influencers of digital transformation that affect you that, um, that, that you found successful in this marketplace? Is it the old channels of um, uh, distribution in the security market? Is, is it that and more? How do you help the industry, which includes facility managers, security officers, logistics teams, how do you help them move to the next generation of their practices? You know, let me start with the consultants. There are some very, very amazingly smart, innovative consultants 
who we've been very successful with, who understand the opportunity of, of technology mm -hmm. and are able to confidently explore concepts with their clients who may have hired them just for that purpose. I, so, love that. I love that operative term. They're willing, they're confident in their ability to explore with the client the opportunities in front of them. That's yeah, awesome. And, and, and so it's something, Ron, you kind of brought up. It's sort of like this idea of specking common practice is the industry in, a, in, a, in, in like 90% of the situations. So for us, our interest is to meet that consultant and make him as successful as possible in exploring opportunities, opportunities that are, are here with technology. Uh, and that goes across the board. For us, we have our own like um, product called SV3 and, and, and it does a certain amount of things, but there's a, a ton of other amazing products that aren't getting their uh, due because of the way the industry is set up. And we, we work with a lot of these very um, interesting products and services to integrate solutions on behalf of integrators, but really because some consultant with us uh, investigated, explored, and um, um, worked through whether it would be a working opportunity to pilot maybe, or to try, or to uh, investigate. And um, there are, clients out there. So it's sort of like you have to, in a weird way, create this perfect storm of finding the innovative end user, finding the innovative consultants that are working together. And the good news is the innovative end users hire the innovative consultants if they can find them. And then with those two together, it's a very powerful force that uh, they might reach out to me. You know, and then in that, now you have a manufacturer, theoretically, I don't like to think of myself as one, and an innovative consultant and an innovative end user, and sometimes an innovative integrator, like, uh, who, or, or, or even one, better than that, one that gets it. I don't need them to be so innovative, but if they get it and they understand what we're trying to do together um, and deploy that, then that's, where, that's kind of where the magic can happen. Um, but uh, I would like to think that I'm good at aligning those forces yeah. Um, and yeah. some consultants are also good at aligning that those forces, but any misalignment is, uh, is a basically a red light, right? Yeah. Digital transformation, which is often in the same breath, um, aligned with machine learning and artificial intelligence, uh, that is the increasing automation of your workflows and, uh, your data-driven enterprise. You, um, in, in a sense, the integrator is absolutely necessary that we bring them along on this journey because they're the ones uh, that have products like access control, video, and others that eventually need to be integrated in to the digitally transformed enterprise. And you've done a good job seeking those integrations and making it easier for the integrator. Yes, but I, I would, I mean, I'm going to caution, I'm going to say this with a little bit of caution is that the integrator needs to um, frame themselves properly in the relationship so that they don't drown in, the, in a pilot or drown in the fact that they are trying to understand something that they don't truly understand 
And so that's very important that they frame their relationship in it because we're, we are supportive of integrators generally in terms of like our ability to utilize them and them to utilize us to drive business, build amazing products together. And then also in the end, take care of it together. I mean, we are supporting a physical uh, asset of technology, which includes the integration work and our work on the back end, maybe on the software. So it's a, it's a very good teaming relationship. But when you really dig sometimes into the innovation side, it, it's hard for the integrator to have the personnel that supports all these sort of amazing cloud-based technologies at this juncture, at this juncture. So, so what we're doing a lot of times is we're bringing them along to be ready to be ready for the what I call the day two activity. Um, because there's so much innovation at a high speed and they're not the ones that are able to bill for all that mm. in, in the early part of that transaction. So it's very, it's, it's interesting because the consultant is generally speaking, getting paid for the consultant work and the manufacturer is willing to um, bet on the pilot. But for the integrator, what, what, what they need to find a way to be a part of the betting or, or put their, you know, find a way to take advantage of being innovative and being innovative is taking chances and taking chances costs money. And so what people get really weary of and users too is a failed pilot, right? So that is, Ron, it's a very interesting point that I'm about to make, which is we have to do pilots that don't fail. We cannot have failed pilots. That's what we say inside our own, <laughs> our own, you know, world. That is, that's a complete loss. So, um, we invest a lot yeah. with the with the with the end user to get to an end result that is going to be successful. And having, I want to say it this way, years of success in successful pilots. In a weird way, I'm trying to create the common practice of successful digital transformation by innovation because I've, I've had a common practice of successful pilots stacked year after year. Yeah, well, I have a feeling why. And the why is if we're gonna go back to exploring concepts for a second, in that exploration process, you're looking for the most powerful ROI and TCO use case that maps to the technology that is available today. That's what you're looking for if you're a consultant. That's right. And, and your job as, you know, you talked about the consultant, the manufacturer, and the end user, your job is to ensure with the consultant that use case is measured appropriately. And, and if you do that right, Deming used to say 80% of the success or quality of a uh, of a product or a project is in the first 20% of the process. So you invest heavily in that first 20%. So you can't fail. Uh, well, it's interesting. You just brought up Deming. You're the second person in two days to bring up uh, a book that I haven't read that everybody's telling me I need to read. Um, but uh, so I don't, I can't comment on Deming, but I, I uh, but I'll read the book. I promise. Um, well, I might, I, I might be, be able to give you the Cliff Notes version, so we'll talk offline. Now. <laughs> but I, you know, I, it's, um, it's, um, it. Listen, one of the things I'm saying for me <clears throat> is that I'm up for the challenge, and that, and that I try to take on very challenging things, right. which can be very aggravating to my own 
staff sometimes. Um, but I also think that you, if you if you don't have to innovate, if you have enough in the um, if you have enough in the till, as they say, right, and and what needs to be solved is already available. Sometimes it's just about expressing what's available, and so and some of it might seem really innovative, but it might be out there. It may really be out there. And then there's other things which are everything that's possibly out there doesn't solve my problem. And now what are you going to do? You know, well, now what are you going right. to do? Right. So yeah. you you have to be able to say, okay, let's all agree. There's nothing out there. Let's do our due diligence. Nothing out there. Let's create the answer. Are you willing to do that with me, with me as a partner? Right. And that is a part of it. We're not out there. I, I always joke around about this, but I am not a field of dreams guy. That's not me. I don't build it thinking everybody's going to love something. I, I figure out if we can really frame what it is you will love. Let's do that. And the greatest care you can have for a customer is to ensure you have a long-term market for the product you're selling because otherwise that customer is going to be yes. one off. Yeah. And that, that is also uh, explicit. Yeah. You know, and, and by the way, if they're willing to be the one-off and pay for the, that, that other problem that you just mentioned, which is the ongoing support related to it, because the problem is so big, you don't know how big that problem is, Ron. Yeah. Um, then fine. Then fine. But all the innovation is going to be, have to be driven from that client because there's nobody else influencing it. Describe as a, a closing here, describe three questions you have for me. Uh, we're in a room, I'm running uh, an organization today that requires many things, but most importantly, there's a breakdown. I am the chief security officer and I have actually a bent I have the ear of the business because I've taken care of the business. I've been involved in it where risk uh, starts meeting opportunity within the business. So I'm an innovator CSO. What are three questions you have for that CSO that if they answer correctly would make them a prospect for you? Well, I'm going to not do uh, my my all-in sales technique. I'm just going to ask. <laughs> just ask three questions. There. I can't. I can't tell all my secrets, but I will. I will. I will ask you this. I would say, obviously, everybody's going to ask like, what's your, you know, your biggest pain point, and um, and but I think more importantly is to ask what is, you know, if you're a servant leader type of person, which many of them are, you know, um, what is the executive's biggest pain point? That you're that is within your purview to solve, you know, like what is that? Um, for, and that's a very general question, right? I mean, I'm I'm focused primarily on access control related problems, um, potentially identity related problems, and workflow, um, which which may or may not solve the problem that he actually has. And I may be by asking that question, referring him to or you to somebody else. Um, the um, the other question is when that question is answered is uh, do you what kind of capital budget or operational budget do you have to support fixing this problem or solving this problem like what, what how do you think it's going to be solved um, or do you think you can do it internally without any budget you know like let's let's get to the brass tacks right away like so 
I think that's those are two two questions. And then when they can answer that question, I could sit there and say, I don't think it's going to be solved. Mm. Like, you know, basically not this year. And here's why. And then we'll probably be talking about next year's um, potential budget to solve that problem. Now, if it's a small problem, you know, could be easy. I mean, that's really. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I think I go, I ask the budget, not because I'm there to sell something. I'm asking it because it is the resource that's most, you know, necessary to understand what potential they have for solving problems. How empowered are they, right? Um, he might say, I have to talk to my real estate team, you know, tell me what you want to do. And then we get into, um, I mean, and generally I say this about um, most of, most of electronic security, which is what we talk about a lot. Um, it's either surveillance or access control. I mean, like you're generally talking about one of those two subjects and um, I try to nail it into, you know, is it an access control or identity issue? I agree that converge, converge these days, but, or is it really a video problem where you're trying to do surveillance and forensics? And then, and then we're, then we're off to the races, you know? So this is why this is a great conversation with Jeff Friedman. If you're a consultant in the space and you want to open up doors of opportunity for your customer to explore in helping the business. If you're uh, a manufacturing access control and want to explore ways to extend your value across the enterprise, uh, or if you're in an end user and you want to continue to explore the needs of your business leaders across the enterprise that intersect with your domain, uh, Jeff Friedman, Building Intelligence is a great guy to talk to and have a great conversation with. Thanks again, Jeff. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Thank you.